Planning for your next trip? Elevate your travel style with Quince. Quince has all the jet-setting essentials you'll want for your next getaway, like European linen, premium luggage options, buttery soft Italian leather bags, and so much more. And it's all priced at 50% to 80% less than similar brands. Plus, Quince only works with factories that use safe and ethical manufacturing practices. Pack your bags with high-quality essentials you'll be wearing for vacations to come with Quince. Go to quince.com slash pack for free shipping and 365-day returns. Uh, this is your official spoiler warning. If you haven't seen or read One for the Money... Uh, then, then, um, and you want, and you, and this is a big part of the spoiler warning and you don't want to know the end. Yes. Then go listen and go watch it before you listen. If you'd like to know the end before you watch it and you've been dying to watch it, but you just wish you knew the end first. Well, then this is your official. I can't imagine a better podcast. This is the perfect podcast for you, but we'll probably bang on for half an hour before we give away that end. Probably. (laughs) This is your official spoiler warning to those who don't want it spoiled and your official, it's going to be a good half hour before we get to the end warning to, I don't know. Here it here's the opening music. Peace. I hate the word. Oh, g'day everybody and welcome to Mission Zach's Leguizama Rama. It is a podcast where each week two mates chat shit, mostly about their lives and their feelings about certain <laughs> things that have happened in the last week. And then occasionally about 10% of the time we'll talk about our favourite character actor, John Aleguizamo. My name is Mish Wittrup. You might know me from, hey, I don't have much money. I'm joined as always. Oh, good. Yeah, good. Good, good, good. I'm joined as always by my very dear friend, Zach Ruane, who you might know from. Having a lot less money than people think. 100%. <laughs> people think I have money. Yeah. And I don't. It's because of the Netflix thing, man. Yeah, that was five years ago. And- and that didn't pay nearly as much I as think people think. It would surprise people, I think. Like, I think, uh, honestly, a lot of people came to me when the Netflix show came out, like people that we know distantly. Yeah. And were like, fuck, that must have like set them up. And I sometimes lied and was like, yeah, man. That's funny. <laughs> Zach's loaded. I'm loaded. Fucking loaded. Just so many less zeros than you'd think. Uh, like a couple of, like a good couple of figures. Yeah. 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 Um, we wanted to bring a friend in this week because it's good been a while after the fucking schmozzle that was <laughs> Batman the Audio Adventures. Um, can I just, I don't want to, I, I hate when podcasts talk too long before they introduce a guest, so mm. I just want to put a flag in. Mm. I think schmozzle is my favourite word and I'd love to discuss that once you've introduced the yeah, guest. Yeah, of course, not a problem. I'd love to know what our guest thinks of the word <laughs> schmozzle. Um <laughs> This week, uh, we forced our friend to watch One for the Money. This friend, she's a fucking phenomenal comedian and writer, like honestly one of my favourites. Her Twitter feed is literally in my top ten funniest things oh, I've ever yeah. seen on the internet. Um, I'm obsessed. It's good and when you can back up that big of an intro. And I absolutely can. You can check out the article. <laughs> um, we're joined this week by Grace Jarvis. Hello. Thank you so much for coming Thank in. Thank you for having me. This yeah. is so exciting. So, um, Schmozzle. <laughs> Thoughts. Right, I so like we got, it. Yeah, we got two questions for you. One is, yeah, what do you think of shamozzle? I think word? it's very fun. It's a lot of uh, consonants to wrap your little mouth around. Yeah. yeah. Shamozzle. I also you know? love, it's lots more um, 
It's like it's one more syllable than you'd think. Mm. Uh, I, you'd think it would be schmozzle. No. But it's no. no, it's schmozzle. Do you know what I like the most about it? <laughs> the word schmozzle. Truthfully, is that it's G rated. You can oh. say schmozzle around anybody. I could say it around kids, adults, religious types. Mm. I could say it around criminals. I could. I, if anything, I think criminals are very familiar with the concept of a shamozzle. I reckon they've probably been in a bit of a shamozzle. <laughs> yeah, like, oh, also, children. Children and criminals most likely to participate in a shamozzle. Yeah. 100%. Have you, seen the, um, have you seen Reservoir Dogs? I rewatched that recently. I, have, I hadn't yeah. seen it in yeah. years. They get themselves in a shamozzle. Oh, man. That movie's all shamozzle. When, when there's the guy Tarantino's whole backlist is shamozzle oh, after yeah. shamozzle <laughs> after shamozzle. He loves I, a shamozzle. Hey, intertwined <laughs> with N words. <laughs> I'm just, I'm having a little bit of an epiphany. Mm. Is it fair to say that most film involves some form of schmozzle? Well, that's the hero's arc. Yeah, that's I think when you're journey. writing a movie, you have to have like set up and then you have conflict and then you have resolution. But what you should have is actually just set up schmozzle. Yeah. Mm. <laughs> yeah. It's about a character. de schmozzle. Yeah. The hero's journey is a character is at peace with the world. Schmozzle. Yeah. They encounter a schmozzle. <laughs> And uh, could be anything. And then they find, and then then they find peace again. So, yeah. would you say that another, like, if I was to thesaurus the word shamozzle, mm. conflict would be because to no. me conflict is harsh. I wouldn't say no. the word conflict. No, that's true, actually. Freely around criminals. No conflict. I think I think shamozzle is. I think you've actually tapped into something. I think you could write like a a, a Robert McKee style storybook mm. now, like called the Great Shamozzle. I think it's a pl- <laughs> I'm thinking. I'm running through a lot of movies in my head. Yeah. It really works. Yeah. I'm thinking like you know Shaun of the Dead. Yeah. You know he's at peace with the world, boring life. Shamozzle. Yep. Zombie apocalypse. Yep. That's the shamozzle in that. They find film. more people. De shamozzle. De shamozzle. De shamozzle. His the sh- friend is his pet in his garage. Well, I think <laughs> the problem with conflict as a drive <laughs> is that sometimes it's not conflict. Sometimes people. Sure, they find themselves in conflict with the shamozzle. Yeah. But conf- all conflict is shamozzle. Yeah, but not all shamozzle is conflict. Exactly. That's exactly. absolutely That's some nature true. shit right I there. Think, yeah. I think that rom-coms run into this particularly hard when it's mm. like mm. they think they have to do hero's journey like at peace, conflict, at peace. Mm. But it's like you don't actually need to do conflict. Mm. Conflict stresses me out in a yeah. rom-com. That, mm. that last... Third, I'm skipping it. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> yeah. I, I'm just waiting. I'm getting to the part where they get back together after yeah. the miscommunication that could be avoided if these mm. people were adults. 100. The 15 minutes, the, the 15 minutes before a rom com ends is the worst part of a rom com. Oh, yeah, truly, truly heinous. But when it never been kissed, when she fucking gets exposed as being an adult, mm. like. Pretending to be a teenager, mm. worst part of the film. I have never seen this movie. I had no idea that's what it was about. <laughs> oh, okay. It's yeah. Spoiler warning. Spoiler warning. No, that's pretty much what it's about. I thought it was about a teenager that had never been kissed. No, she's an adult that had never been kissed. Oh, weird. Not goes, properly. It was confirmed in the film. That's why I hate the title of that movie. Oh, oh my God. Wow. Here comes a rant. There's no, the movie Never it. Been Kissed, right? Yeah. Okay. She says in it, well, I've never really been kissed. Not properly anyway. I've had little kisses. Yeah. It's like, well, then that's a kiss. That counts. Yeah. That counts. A kiss is a kiss is but a kiss. But isn't that like a title that reveals itself? Isn't that kind of... I guess maybe it's like because they couldn't call it never been fucked. <laughs> <laughs> never been full Never patched. had a full... Like never had a full... 
Only Never over had the a tongue in my mouth. <laughs> Only over the clothes stuff. Never been tongue kissed. <laughs> Never been stuck, tongue. Stuck on second base. <laughs> <laughs> Never been fingered. <laughs> now, hang on. Now, th- we're getting into porn parador- parody territory. Oh, 100%. <laughs> Never been fingered would be a porn or never been fucked. It I would like be. never been I fingered. I like never been yeah. fingered. I think it adds more nuance. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, it's but got a certain je ne sais quoi. It's a reason why that. It allows for there to be a specific act, you know? Yeah, yeah. that's true. About but, her pleasure yeah. as well. And that's important. <laughs> um, I, that's a, it also I, is a great, like, second, third act twist. And it's like, yeah. you know, we're, we're an hour into the story. She's been fingered now. What yeah. more? Oh, my God. Are we going to see her get fucked by the end of this? <laughs> like, that's I mean, not even on the pack. Imagine if it was called Never Been Fingered and at the same scene of the movie where she's like, I've never really truly been kissed. I've had little kisses. She's like, I've never truly been fingered. Like little fingers. It's gone in a little. Yeah. Like a little, like a diddle. I've been diddled. Never been Gotten diddled. Gotten to the first Most, uh, knuckle. Yeah, the first knuckle. <laughs> Most romance novels do that thing where they're like, they don't fuck until like the end. Yeah. But they just I'm, like keep fingering her for like ages. Oh my god! I've never read a romance novel. Oh, uh, I got very into them during lockdown because wow. um, there are no stakes. <laughs> 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 Nothing bad happens to anybody. Uh, the tr- the the thing that makes it a romance novel is that it has a happy ever after. Wow! And everyone's getting fucked. Is so, that what it is? Is it just like? The trope of it is just that it ends happily. It's, yeah. You can have romance in a regular novel, but it's not a romance novel unless there's a happily ever after. When you say romance novel, do you mean romance novel or like erotic fiction? Um, romance novel is like woman code for erotic fiction. Oh, so it's the same thing. Yeah. What's the plot structure of a... Because fun fact, I know we're not talking about the movie yet, but the author of the book that this film that we're about to talk Janet about... Janet Ivanovich. This is a book? Is, oh, yeah, we're yeah. going to talk about and that. We'll talk about that. But she started out in Mills and Boone style. I know. Janet Ivanovich, my mum fucking loves Janet Ivanovich. She's one of the. Oh, okay. Oh, well, we'll get we're to that. Always yeah. an audiobook in the car. Well, there oh, that's amazing. This is. I'm very <laughs> excited to hear stuff. about that. But, oh, my God. I'm so glad we made you watch this movie. <laughs> when, what's the structure? Like, what's the structure? Is it okay, just. It depends that- on which format of romance novel. They okay. all fit into like six boxes. You got enemies to lovers, you got friends to lovers. Lovers, yeah. you got fake dating. Okay. Um, oh, like as a <gasps> let's pretend to date, and, yeah. then, they, and then they that's actually yeah. fall in that's, love. that's one of my favorite tropes in like romantic. Same, films. that's right? fucking, that's really yeah. fucking hot. There's like bottle episode. We're trapped in a room together, kind of stuff. Right. Yeah. Um, friends, lovers, enemies, lovers, fake dating. long distance, don't know each other, letters and stuff. Is that one? Like message in a bottle kind of shit? Yeah, that's more yearn, yearn core. Yeah. <laughs> I don't know what that's called. <laughs> <laughs> Fucking sleepless in Seattle shit. I don't know. <laughs> I like that. That's very funny. And they just sort of, and then it gets a little spicy and then it goes spicy right at the end. Yeah. And it depends. You can get spicier ones where yeah, it's like right. they're fucking at the top. But recently I've read several where I'm like, you guys got to put a bookmark in here for like when they fuck because I am impatient. <laughs> oh, I um I would uh, like skim through everything until I found the fucking scenes. I know, but yeah. they this, these last two that I read, they don't fuck till like the last four chapters. Oh, that's it goodness. to me. That's not erotic fiction. Erotic fiction needs to have at least four moments of of sexualness. Oh yeah. Mm. Well, there's a couple like there's like lots a, of nipple tweaking because they're all written by well they're mostly written by women, so it's all like 
female pleasure mm. and like he's like she's like let's have sex and he's like no i just want to make you come a lot <laughs> like uh, so not like this mazzing. last one i read was like oh there is mazzing um he was a virgin at like 25 and i was like i don't even think that's a female fantasy it was like he's a virgin but then they do finally fuck and he's like amazing at it and i'm like but this is not <laughs> it's not how it works <laughs> this, is, this is not true that, to life that's not how it works at all um i'm about to reveal something i was thinking that whole last couple of minutes whether or not i was going to reveal it. i'll fucking reveal Chances it Chances are care. you don't want to no, no, I'm go- no, I Go do. I don't care. Go for it. I don't care. Um, I've, t- I've said before on this pod and multiple occasions that I remember very, very clearly watching Dirty Dancing behind the couch when my parents were watching it. We were in bed, but I snuck out to watch movies from behind the couch. They'd watch like the, when I say adult films, I don't mean pornos. I mean like <laughs> dirty movies dance. like Dirty movies, Dancing and yeah. Pulp Fiction and stuff. And I remember watching Dirty Dancing and I saw the sex scene in that. And I remember previously I'd asked my mum where babies come from. She'd explained it to me. And I remember it's a very clear memory of seeing that scene going, oh, that's what that is. Right. Right. So I was like, Ah. oh, I get it now. So I always have like a special connection to Dirty Dancing because it's when I realised that's how babies were made. Plus her name's Baby. Exactly. Yeah, Um, wow. There you go. Baby make baby. (laughs) When the internet. No, well, no, because. The whole thing with Dirty Dancing is I didn't watch it for a long time because I was like, you know, movies where people are like, it's a classic. And I'm like, well, then I don't want to watch it. You're too yeah. into it. I can't. Yeah. yeah I, and, yeah. and there's no way it, it it's what not going to live up love to your, about it is yeah. their nostalgia for it, not the actual movie. Totally. Yeah, yeah, That's how my, my dad made me watch Animal House. And I was oh, like, wow, when yeah. I was like 17 and I was like, dad, do you? You see why I wouldn't be that into this? <laughs> and he's like, "Yeah, I see now." Yeah. Have you watched Dirty Dancing since though? Well, I hadn't seen Dirty Dancing until the pandemic, and then Broman Cuss, who I was living with at the time, was like, "Look at yourself! It's going to be your favorite movie." And so we watched it, and I was like, "Oh, this is my favorite movie! Oh, I've seen it about twenty times since. It's the greatest film ever made. It's so it's good. so good. It is a movie about a girl who learns to dance." So that her friend can get an abortion. <laughs> it's the best. It's yeah, the I best. I forgot that bit. That's the movie. That's what it's I about. I just always remember all of those What a shamozzle. <laughs> what a shamozzle. That's true a shamozzle. <laughs> you find yourself in a shamozzle and the only way out is Patrick Swayze. And then um, I know, another thing I love movies, you don't get that that often in movies, is when the mum is having a good time. And yeah. in Dirty Dancing, the mum is not involved in the conflict. She's just having a great holiday. She's drinking cocktails by the pool. She doesn't know anything's going on. Yeah, she's I ideal. love that. Yeah. Mums don't get to have fun enough in movies. Yeah. Come to think of it's it, it's all dad. So, so Dirty true. Dancing, he's fixing the the botched abortion. He's giving her money. <laughs> he's helping her out. I he's remember her grow. so little of this movie. It's, you got As, as I'm movie. hearing this, I'm like, but this is what I do remember. It's because is- people only parody the like lifting her up in the air a bit and the don't put baby in the corner. But those are actually the least important parts. Yeah. That's so true. It's the thing that's so wild is like all these movies from the 70s and 80s, I feel like they make movies now to fit in with how you remember them. But back then they were just making movies and then people choose to remember them a certain way. Mm. Like have you ever seen Saturday Night Fever? No. It's, isn't that the yeah. one where he was too scared to go in the club to do his research for his article. So he just like based the article on a bunch of people that were outside. Oh, really? Oh, I don't know no. that. And no, then that's he based amazing. the movie on that article. Oh, that's so phenomenal. And he hadn't, yeah. he didn't go in. <laughs> I don't remember that at all. Well, the movie, the movie, it's all like the, the image we have of the movie is about this guy who just like goes to the disco and dances. There's like these couple of images and the bulk of the movie, it's all about a guy who has a really, 
really, really depressing life and everything he, it's the, the whole point of it. It's kind of a bit like Magic Mike, same thing, where it's like this really like brutally dark, depressing movie and the only like moments of light he has in his life is, is Saturday night. But you just remember the Bee Gees. <laughs> Everyone talks about the Bee Gees and they talk about, and you watch this movie about a guy who works at a hardware store. It's the most depressing fucking film imaginable. Oh God. I feel like this is, I also haven't seen this movie, but I feel like this is another fun fact that people say about it is that they called it Saturday Night Fever and then they wanted to change the name, but the Bee Gees were like, we already wrote the song. <laughs> really? Well, no, do you no. know what I think it was? I think it was the other way around. I think it had a different name, maybe, and then and then the Bee Gees album, they'd already made the album, and then they were just like, can we just make this the soundtrack to the film? Yeah. Like it was this weird thing where the Bee Gees made an album, and then and then – the director yeah, like heard the else. album yeah. and was like, can I just use all of the songs and can this album just be the soundtrack to this film? And it's like this weird thing Bee that Gees all happened like, in yeah, we need money. <laughs> yeah, like, sure, why not? <laughs> Whatever, man. Yeah, crazy. As I was saying about oh, my sexual so awakening. Sorry, um, so, yeah, Dirty, da- Dirty Dancing was how I realised the babies were made. But then the, when the internet became a thing, mm. right, and I was there for the the dawning of the internet. Yeah. And I remember when we first got in the house or whatever, um, I found erotic fiction online. Yeah. Wow. When I was probably about 14, yeah. 15. Yeah. Was about That's when you find it, yeah. Yeah. And I found it like fan fiction, but it was like like the old internet days where it was just like I don't even remember the website, I couldn't tell you where it was. And that was my f- that was when I kind of like I knew what sex was. So No, I would have been about I would have been 14. But, but yeah, about that. I knew what sex was, obviously. But this was the first time that, like, I read and, like, it was my first, ex- like, exposure to, like, pornography. Yeah, Do you know wow. what I mean? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Like, actual descriptors. Well, me too, of, but like, except I just had, like, 800 page fantasy novels. So you have to read so much before you get to, like, the, the tiny little part that turns you on. It's like you have to work so hard yeah. for it, which I think is how it should be. <laughs> I think you've got to work for it. It's too. I. I mean, I hate to be the voice of movies aren't horny enough anymore. But I have this bit in my show about how I don't think movies are horny enough anymore. And I think teen movies. We talk about this. Used to be hornier. This is my theory. They used to be hornier, and. So, like, even I, growing up, just had access to sexual content, like, just a little bit at a time, like, in DVD format. Yeah. So, you don't really, you get, you know, you watch it, you get hard, you walk on, but, like, you don't need to seek it out. Whereas I think now they make movies for young people that are so, like, puritanically chased that, like... If the only content you're getting is like Disney Channel, like, kisses. Like the kissing No tongue. Yeah. Yeah. And then you miss... So then you go looking for sexual okay. content yeah. and you find violent internet porn, which is how men my age think that choking is a normal part of sex. Yeah. Which, PSA, it's not. It's not. <laughs> I didn't know I would have to say this as a woman in the 21st century, but don't hit me. <laughs> but arguably, something like American Pie is also a completely unrealistic. Well, I think the problem with American Pie, like oh, I think okay. the problem with <laughs> the movies that, I think the problem with this is that, 
we've had like a gluttony of like sort of sexual assault adjacent <laughs> horniness in movies. So they've they've swung too far in the other direction to like nothing, nothing for no one. And I think that's bad also. It, that's actually a really good point. They do not make teen movies about going beyond first base. Well, because everyone, I think it's the porn thing. Everyone can kind of get the, if you want that, you just get it. Whereas, so the idea of like, Oh, it, it's the same with the erotic thriller. Like, yes. we, Mish loves erotic thrillers. I love thrillers. erotic thrillers. Totally. And they're out now because there's this sort of sense of, like, the whole thing with erotic thrillers is, like, having to build the fact that you were watching it for the thriller element. Mm. <laughs> like, like this whole, like... And now it's just gore. And, and now like, it's just thriller. Yeah. And then it's, like, it's all compartmentalised. I think you're so right. I well, think the, a little bit more horny the, would do I, as well. I don't... I don't like it when men learn about sex from porn. Yeah. And I but I don't like it when they learn about it from 90s teen movies either because <laughs> what was that American Pie thing of like write your write the alphabet with your tongue and mm. I was like you you're supposed to do it in cursive not block letters. <laughs> <laughs> Just just another PSA from me. <laughs> We're not no. on Sesame Street writing war and peace on my clip. Lowercase cursive only. Disaster. Do you, think, do you think that people would, teens, teen boys, mm. would benefit from learning about sex from erotic fiction? I think definitely more so than porn. It's a lot of focus on nipples in erotic fiction. There's a well, lot on things like mm, hard nipples and also caressing the, nipples. The euphemisms they use for genitals um, oh, yeah. can lead you astray if you don't know what they're talking about. Um, yeah, true. But they love I'm, to say her center, her wetness, her her um, all things sheath. that are just her deeply center. unappealing. I it's know. Like, it's, her it's a very I, if you're fucking her center, you're fucking her belly button. Yeah. How long are her legs? You're lost. Yeah, you're lost. This is a long. How long are her legs if it's her vagina lower, is a center? It's in the lower third. Yeah. <laughs> fucking <laughs> out. two thirds down doesn't have the same ring as the center. Um, I want to. Uh, I love to say velvet wrapped steel. About an erect penis. Velvet wrapped. I know. My God. He's hard. He's not a pillowcase full of ball bearings. <laughs> <laughs> All right. I want to. I want to steer off that conversation. Although okay. I am horny now. <laughs> I was, you're always horny. A little bit. Um, you got to get into romance novels, man. I, I would read one them. again, hundred percent. I. I genuinely. They're very in- cheap because people don't value things made for women. <laughs> They're like four bucks each on Kindle. Yeah, fucking sick. Um, so it's the most niche way to pay for porn, but you. It's such a strange thing that, like, it's such a strange, like, because you're so right. It is porn. Yeah, it's not. Books. It's not the immediacy. Like, it's not Pornhub where you're like, oh, I want to see this particular kind of porn. Here's a four minute you video. You have to like engage with their yeah. relationship and the build-up and the tension of it. It's like edging. It is edging. But it's some, it's kind Which is of- another reason why I think sex needs to stay in movies because, I don't know if you've seen this on Twitter, but like l- young people now are like, oh, sex scenes, why do they even need to be there? And I'm like, what are you talking about? Sex scenes show you so much about the character and like wh- about the story and they progress the story and mm-hmm. it shows you the intimacy of this relationship and these people. And because... If your only access to sex is porn, you think all sex 
depicted in media is pornographic, which is not true. No, it's not. That's a very good point. Anyway, this yeah. is my thesis. No, it's true. <laughs> There's a movie. Oh, what's the name of the movie? I talk about it whenever whenever sex scenes come up. I was talking with a writer once about sex scenes and like sex scenes and, and having value to the character development. And then we can move on to this other topic. But the, oh, what's the movie? It's Cameron Post. The Miseducation, Mis-education of, Cameron of Cameron Post. I think I, I, I haven't seen it in a while, so I might be wrong here, but there's, I think there's two sex scenes in that film that just really have character development and the way they're different from each other and everything. Oh. It's like, oh, this is why you have sex scenes. Mm. Like, it's genuinely, like, it can be very good. Um, but then other times. There's a TV show. <laughs> there was a TV the show. Part, the bit in Animal House where it's like, I was sitting next to my dad and he's like climbed, the character has climbed a ladder to watch this girl get changed. And I like looked over at him and I was like, ah, yes, he's watching her get changed and she doesn't know that he's watching her. I get it. Great stuff. And he's like, yeah. mm." This always happens. I'm going to have to like watch everything. If I ever have kids, I'm going to have to watch everything before I show them. No, I think it's a fun element to, to be like, this is great. This is great. And then be like, ah. No, it's not. Uh, it turns out it was made before my, 2019. Um, my mum <laughs> made me watch. this podcast to a T. My mum <laughs> made me watch Raging Bull because she'd gone on and on and on about how amazing. It's not a sexy film. No. But she'd gone on and on and on <laughs> about bulls. Uh, this movie called Raging Bull and she was like, it's the best movie ever made. It is genuinely the best movie ever made. You must watch it. And I watched it and it was good, but it was a bit boring. Hmm. Like it was a bit boring. Because I, I just wanted to put that out there. Surprisingly, often when people tell me it's so good, it's so good, and I refuse to watch it, and then I eventually do watch it, mm. they are right. I just have pathological demand avoidance. <laughs> if someone asks me of something, I'm like, no, no, genuinely, I, I won't. This this podcast is a prime example of that. We could be watching something I want to watch. It can be good. It can be exactly what I'm in the mood for. But because I have to watch it for the podcast tomorrow, feels like I chore. feel this like, oh no, that's a chore. Mm, yeah. I'll watch exactly the same type of thing. Yeah, hundred percent. Something I'm choosing <laughs> something to watch. Something that I have memorized the script of. <laughs> I would have watched sooner watched a different Katherine Heigl movie. Oh yeah, just because it's my choice and I'm not having to do it, even though this is my choice. You made as well, this. You know? like, That's how I feel about my whole career. I'm like, <laughs> I chose to do this. I chose this. You back yourself into. I could have gotten a law degree, <laughs> but I am here, and I'm like, why isn't my show written? It's like because you're you're shaking in a corner <laughs> instead of writing it. <laughs> Me too. Oh, um, guys. <laughs> I want to bring up. This yeah. is completely off. So when yeah, when no, you are you have been a complete Jones in to bring up whatever this topic is. For well, well, no, because I don't want to forget to bring it up. Ah, mm-hmm. oh, yes. So yeah. I'm talking now directly to the Leguizamarama fans. Oh. From. A month ago, oh, <laughs> if they're still around, okay, if they no, stuck no, through, we have a high drop off. Right? <laughs> if they stuck through Batman, very high Avengers. rotation. Oh yeah, 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 yeah. So like like a s- very bad school, just <laughs> get them in and out. If it's we the- think back, I think it's four weeks mm-hmm. ago. We watched a little movie, and that little movie was called "Where God Left His Shoes." Okay, and mm-hmm. we had a Michelle Brazier pop in for that yeah, episode yeah. because when we came in to record it. Uh, Braz was standing out the front and was like, yeah, I'll come in. Had not watched the movie. <laughs> I mentioned in that podcast that we'd organised for a guest to join ah, us yes, to that yeah, for yeah, that yeah, podcast. Yeah, yeah. That guest oh, was Grace Jarvis. Oh, oh, yeah, now, yeah. oh, God, I'm so sorry. <laughs> no, I, no, no, you had a very good excuse. <laughs> we asked Grace to do this podcast. She was keen as beans. We were like, great, this is the movie. It's where God left his shoes, which actually turned out to be quite a good film. 
Grace watched the movie. You watched the whole movie. Grace, please tell us what happened as to why you couldn't make it onto the pod. I had surgery on my tongue. Uh, was that the surgery on my tongue or the yeah, surgery yeah. on my hip? Your okay. <laughs> I, I, I thought I would be fine because everyone was very chill about it. They were like, it's yeah. fine. We do it with a laser, no stitches, no bleeding. You're in and out 10 minutes. And then afterwards they were like, you have had surgery. And I was like, okay, the vibes have shifted. <laughs> Let's just like Grace had laser surgery to her tongue yeah. 24 hours before <laughs> The podcast, but and she knew that she it's, she'd booked it in. But I, I think, thought I thought it would be fine. I, I, I gotta I gotta st- I gotta stick I gotta be on Grace's side here because it's like you like you, you wouldn't not do something twenty four hours after you get your ears pierced. Yeah, it's your tongue. You talk. This is a podcast. you wouldn't not do something twenty four hours after getting your tongue pierced. I also I don't know if they did a good job because <laughs> the tip of my tongue is still numb. It's still, it's still numb. numb. I'm hopeful. It's like a burny tingling, which I think means the nerves are coming back to mm. life. Well, but- Grace messaged me the day that we were going to record. She's like, I'm so sorry. I don't think I can come. Like, I my tongue is numb. I can hardly talk. And I was like, it's not a problem. Like, don't stress. And then the next day or the day after sent me voice memos going, do I sound normal? <laughs> Do I sound normal? Do you think that I could do a stand? And then she sent me a voice recording from a stand-up show she did. I was like, does this sound weird? And it was a seven minutes of her doing a room. And I was like, Grace, you sound fine. She's like, great. So I was like, okay, why don't you come on and do Batman, the audio adventures with us? It was going to be the episode after Mark. Yeah, Banana. yeah, yeah. She was like, absolutely, let's do it. I said in the episodes, this is what we're going to do. And then what happened, Grace? <laughs> Surgery on my hip. Did she what? Surgery? Are you on okay? Her <laughs> or is this just a run of bad luck or like I have chronic joint pain and like I've a lot of my pain specialist was like, we gotta do so they they put a surgical block in my hip in my lower back last year and it worked really well. And then they were like, right, now we gotta do nerve ablations on both your hips, which oh. is where they put like fifteen needles in you and burn the needles. I think I don't know. I was unconscious, but um, and then you, the nerves are kind of less sensitive, so that your body, your brain is so used to sending pain signals. Mm. Hopefully, if you give a if you give your nerves a year off, I'm hopeful that it will like send less pain signals. Mm. Um, but I also thought I would be fine because <laughs> <laughs> burning needles into your hip. I'm less inclined no, to this think. Is, can I just say? I just want to say it really quick. This is what I think. And please correct me if I'm wrong. From knowing Grace the way I know Grace, I reckon you were like, I've got to hustle this year. i got to say yes to more shit. i got to do some shit. So when I asked you to do something, you're like, yeah, bitch. Like, <laughs> let's fucking do it. Despite the fact that when you looked at your schedule, you looked at your little calendar, it's like, Mish needs me 12 hours after hip surgery. Yeah. Well, at nah, least it was got to like, hustle. This time it was my... I chose this. Like... <laughs> This time it was my hip, not my tongue, you know? So I was like, it's not going to prevent me from podcasting. Grace, you can say no. Like, we're (laughs) adults. But last year I got the surgical block and I did crab lab. Like, Emma Holland picked me up from hospital and dropped me at crab lab. (laughs) (laughs) The hustle is real. I've I've got a lot of respect for you right now. And everyone was like, why have you done this? I was like, I don't know. I said yes. I said yes. I love that. I love that. I'm actually, I'm all for this. I'm like. I have to say, though, I'm really glad that that happened because now we can talk about a Janet Ivanovich adaption. Can I ask a quick question before we get into it? Did you listen to the Batman audio adventures? No. Ah, but you did watch. No, I didn't watch. I, I watched some of it. 
Oh. But then I was not on the podcast, so I stopped. Oh, thank God. Yeah. I thought you had watched five hours of content for us <laughs> for one podcast. I was feeling really bad about Bring that. So I'm good. I'm good. I'm, I'm really happy to know that you just didn't. Just do director's commentary of the episodes you actually recorded with me being like, ah, I, chiming in. I've got to, I also watched the movie and I have thoughts. Yeah, no, great. I just, I just was under the impression every time we asked you, you watched another two hours of something and then couldn't do it. I was always like, oh, no, no. Oh, that's good. That's fine. good to know. Hey, I'm Ryan Reynolds. Recently, I asked Mint Mobile's legal team if big wireless companies are allowed to raise prices due to inflation. They said yes. And then when I asked if raising prices technically violates those onerous two-year contracts, they said, what the f*** are you talking about, you insane Hollywood ass!" So to recap, we're cutting the price of Mint Unlimited from $30 a month to just $15 a month. Give it a try at mintmobile.com slash switch. $45 up front for three months plus taxes and fees. Promote for new customers for limited time. Unlimited more than 40 gigabytes per month. Slows. Full terms at mintmobile.com. I think we should talk about the movie. Okay. Mm. Now the I've re- got notes. I'm genuinely, actu- like I know we like premise this, ha ha lol, we don't talk about the movie very much, but I have got some things to say about this one. Mm. Yeah, great. I have got some fucking things to say about this one. Well, I've got my little blurb. I'll read my blurb and read then- Okay, here we go. One for the Money is a 2012 sexy comedy crime film based on the book of the same name by Janet Ivanovich. Ivanovich? Ivanovich. Ivanovich. The book is the first in a series featuring the character of Stephanie Plum. That, as of 2021, featured 28 full-length novels, four holiday novellas, and a short story in a compilation of various authors' work. The God, film, she's busy. Yeah. The film, as of 2023, is standalone. (laughs) 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 It's... It stars Catherine Heigl from Knocked Up at Grey's Anatomy as a tough New Jersey dame of Italian-Hungarian descent who, after losing her job as a lingerie salesman at Macy's, blackmails her incestuous cousin into giving her a job as a bounty hunter tasked with bringing in a former cop who murdered a man in cold blood. But there's a twist. She lost her virginity to this murderer in high school. Also, he's sexy. John Leguizamo <laughs> plays the owner of a gym and coach to a vicious and aggressive man who has been convicted of multiple crimes against women. Of interest to Plum because he is the girlfriend of a missing woman who may have witnessed the crime. This whole film is shot like a mid-2000s rom-com. If this sounds tonally inconsistent, that's on you. <laughs> All right. That's my uh, blurb yeah, of the movie. You sent me the movie and I was like, oh, Catherine Heigl, it's a rom-com. Mm. Yeah. And then I started watching it and I was like, huh. <laughs> 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 it, it, it's not a rom-com, but it's not not a rom-com. <laughs> it's got it's the, not, not a it's rom-com. got the strangest energy <laughs> of a movie I've seen in a really long time. I it think- had, and this might be controversial, it had Detective Pikachu energy. <laughs> it yeah. was like, yeah, she just kept going from place to place, getting new information, picking up new Pokemons along her way. It yeah. was, it was genuinely, genuinely, genuinely so, not uh, not a rom com. I am so is, interested to hear what you thought of this. Not not a rom com is is a great review of this film. Yeah, it is. I believe, and you know, I'm happy even for the listeners. This is a challenge. I think it is the most. 
tonally whacked movie <laughs> I've ever seen in my entire life. Yes. Like tonally it was out of up, this man. world. Yeah. Like, <laughs> like, they had like, no idea what they were making. Like I did not go into how vicious some aspects of this story. There is vicious, horrific plot points. But yeah. also it, it was very PG. Her, exa- tonally. So <laughs> there would be like. Like romantic banter. Think, think, um, you know, just like Catherine Heigl. Yeah. That was how it was shot. And think Catherine Heigl in terms of the repartee. Mm-hmm. But that repartee would be happening because they had just witnessed a man die in a car bomb <laughs> meant for her. There is a scene where a man we've just met who's a bit of a prick but not enough of an asshole to want him to no, die. No, he was not villainous enough in his intentions for us to not be satisfied when he got blown to smithereens. The only crime he committed was a crime that she had committed four scenes earlier. Yeah. The crime he committed was wanting his job back after his appendix burst yeah. and she was like, no. And then she steal, he steal, he tries to steal a card that she had stolen <laughs> she had from stolen. another character. Yeah, she, yeah, he gets in the car and she's like, oh, don't take my car that I what stole. What are you doing, <laughs> Morty? And we'll get to the accent. <laughs> oh, we must. I could talk for an hour on the fucking accents in this film. I don't this know bit. where they're supposed to be from, but if I was from there, I would be so offended by the accents in this movie. <laughs> I don't know who they're mocking, but I would feel mocked. I think we're getting into a place. I will say, I'll put my hand up and say we're getting to a place where we're getting, as a society, a little too interested in the family history and the personal life of an actor. We need to know everything about them to decide whether they can play someone or not. Sure. I think that that's something I'm willing to say, right? Yeah. That being said... (laughs) I don't know if Catherine Heigl, <laughs> I don't think I'm just looking at it from a 2023 lens. I don't know if Catherine Heigl of German and Irish descent yeah. <laughs> is quite appropriate for a Hungarian, Italian. <laughs> Hungarian Italian woman from New Jersey. They made her just brunette <laughs> and it's real obvious that She's they tried to just like. She's like got the soft dye They tried to <laughs> Italianize the thing. That is a packet dye job. It was job. bad. Yeah. If you're listening, think sure in Moonstruck. Think um, Lady Gaga in uh, a, a Star, Star is, is Born. Born. We're Oof. talking like... Re- and I don't know if Cher is Italian, but she pulls it off, she, right? Yeah. I that's don't need the to, character. That's the thing. I don't need to know if Cher is Italian because she makes me believe it. That's good acting. But the fact that I have to go into Catherine Heigl's background <laughs> to figure out what the fuck's going on is indicative of how bad this accent Heigl was. Heigl is the most Aryan-looking person I've ever seen in and my life. And they tried to cover it with by getting rid of that blonde hair, but not great. And she's just like, Ma, I just got fired from Macy's. No, I lost my car down at Macy's. The scene, like, the oh scene with God. the car bomb. The scene with the car bomb where she sticks her head out the window and goes, <laughs> "I'm gonna get you, Morty." It's <laughs> like, what are you doing? And she puts her hands up like she's playing Lumiere in Beauty and the Beast. Oh. <laughs> she was like, "Eh." And then she says, "She says, Morty, God's God's gonna get you for this." Yeah. And then and then, and then Morty the- blows up. <laughs> 
And blows I, up, literally blows, blows up. up. And she has there are just, no recoverable parts of Morty. <laughs> she has just witnessed a man murdered with a car bell intended for her. Yeah. And then and then her and her boyfriend are like, or the, the love interest are like, oh well, maybe God did get him back. Blah blah blah. <laughs> and, I, and, and they just keep having coffee. <laughs> it's just the most it's it honestly. This movie blew my mind. I thought it was meant to be like a parody. Well, no. So this is what I think happened, right? Oh, what this is one hundred percent what I think happened. I think the people who created this movie were like, "Oh my god, we have got a fucking we've got twenty eight movies we can make out of this." Yeah, and I'll tell you, I looked up what happened. Yeah, oh, so I'm, I want to. I want to see. I'm gonna. Okay. Yeah, yeah. Go. We've go, got go. twenty eight movies. What are we going to do for the first, second, third? Let's build them all. So, okay, we need to really get all this information into the first movie. It doesn't really matter if we build the characters well enough or their relationships <laughs> or where they're from. Let's just cast Catherine Heigl. The bit and- where the mum is like, you need a husband. And she's like, I had a husband. I didn't like it. And it's like, oh, I guess that's her backstory. Yeah. <laughs> A lot of that. Never brought up again. <laughs> but, like, even the relationship with Joe Morelli. Is that his name, Joe Morelli? Yeah. yeah. Is he the love He's in- the love interest Joe murderer. Joe Morelli. Yeah. The guy. Now, for it's the a listener, hate crime. The <laughs> guy has the bluest eyes you've ever seen. Like, maybe his family comes from the north of Italy. Yeah. Just on the border of Switzerland. Yeah. <laughs> maybe. But it's, it's the least Italian-looking man I've <laughs> ever seen. If, if, <laughs> See... But this is Morelli. where Joe Morelli. This is where I'm. I'm. This is where shit gets interesting. Yeah, that is what I think happened. I've read the books. Ah, I've read the first six books. Oh, shit, this is so good because I really wanted to know because this is exciting. Yes, yeah. because when I watched it, right, mm-hmm. I'm 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 teasing the book stuff because mm-hmm. I I really when I I was like I think this is the this film is so tonally whack. Whack. I would love to know oh. what the intention was. Well, and I what think the book what happened is. is they probably had an actress cast who would have been good at her job. And then they were like, oh, Catherine Heigl's free. We've got to get Catherine Heigl. Yeah. In That's here. easy. Let's from give Grey's her a, Anatomy. <laughs> let's give her a box die job. Probably. And, and she's like, well, she's. She did what exactly what I would do is mm. if I was offered a job and they were like, you can do an Italian accent, right? And I'd be like, yes. Well, I think, <laughs> well I yes, think I can. I actually think Correct. that the Catherine Heigl, John Leguizamo in 2012 is what this movie could, that's the best that they could get. And they're like, well, let's just well, get, she's the most famous. Well, they from my cousin Vinny, someone of that ilk. You know, who's oh, the girl? Um, oh, oh, she's from Only You. Um Oh, my God. Are you talking about um, not Marissa Tomei? Marissa Tomei. Yes. Yes. See, Marissa Tomei would have been great. Perfect. Not Italian, I don't think, but Sandra Bullock would have pulled off the – this movie – That would have really bridged that gap between Heigl and (laughs) Tomei, Sandy B. But in terms of – Even an Anne Hathaway, she's probably too young. Yeah, yeah, that's true. But in terms of like – I don't ask a lot. (laughs) (laughs) But – least a natural brunette. (laughs) It's crazy. But in terms, I can't talk. Brown eyes, maybe. (laughs) It's some brown eyes. But I can't talk to the Italian, right? But what I will say, the movie that we watched, I think it made me appreciate how good Sandra Bullock is. Because I think if Sandra Bullock was in this, it was in this role, in this film, change nothing else. Mm -hmm. Change 
keep the tone, keep everything, Sandra Bullock would have elevated it. Totally. I totally Her agree. and Miss Congeniality, she has that gravitas. She knows how to, like, jump between tonal. Well, she does yeah. rom And she does she knows- witty, but then she does, I've got a gun in my thigh holster. Yeah. I, and, like, we're going to take it dark for the third act. I'll go there. She's yeah. beautiful, but she's not so beautiful that it's, like, that it's unattainable. Do you know what I mean? Well, she's imagine. beautiful, but she's not afraid to be ugly 100%. in a way. Like... Um, well, the th- oh, but yeah, I'm so excited just, to hear about the book. Yeah, I'm so really let me tell curious. you, I when this movie was announced that it was going to be released, I got very excited. I read wow. these books. I read six books. This is very mish. I read six books in around about it would have been four weeks because here's a, I, let's tell you a story. I graduated really? high school in 2006, and in okay. 2000 at the end of 2006, I quit my high school job because I was like, well, I've got to get a new job uh. because like I've worked at the deli at Food Works in East Ivanhoe for five years. It's time for me to get a new job. So in January of 2007, yep, I got a job at a call centre, right? So I quit my daily job because I was on to better things and I went and got myself a job at a call centre. Worst job ever. I worked there for four weeks. Right. I hated it. Yep. And we'd get a one-hour break and I would leave the the call centre room and I would go down to the cafe and I would get a Bay Marine lunch and I would read these books and I read them on the train to and from the house I was living in at the time. And I read all six of these books while I worked there. <laughs> I binged all six, very mish, and then got sick of them because yeah. I just read six in a row and was like, I'm coming to stop. Yeah. And also they would have been running out of numbers. Oh, well, that's the, no, but the, by the time it got to six, in my opinion, it was like, okay, these relationships are getting a bit old. But also it was like, aren't the titles like one for the money, two, two for, for the, the show, food. three to get deadly, four to score, high five and hot six. Those are the ones See, I've if you're written. getting, that's so funny. She's yeah. written 28 of these. Yeah, yeah. I can't wait. What is the 28 28 called? to get to the down there in <laughs> New Jersey. The 28 bus. <laughs> but the thing with these books was. Yeah, I'm curious. I, I, I want to know. At a certain point, book. you're naming them, ba- you're writing them based on what you have to name them. Yeah. <laughs> or, of- or the name and the book, like she locks in the title yeah. well before she knows what the plot like is. Like a comedy oh. festival show. <laughs> exactly. <laughs> exactly right. But I, I'm so. I'm fucked with Butterfingers, by the way. Yeah. (laughs) What the fuck that means? Yeah, you just got to say one thing. Yeah. But I'm really curious now because watching this film, I was so intrigued by what the tone of the books were. And I'm so glad that one of the three of us have read it because the film had... Is, so what? So yeah, what is the these the books? books. I, it was so long ago that I read them, but I loved them enough to not put them down for yeah, a month. Yeah. And they were so much fun. They were like the easiest reads ever. Yeah. And the character Stephanie Plum was so endearing. Yeah, like, yeah. All of the, these nuances to this character that lived by herself and had this shitty diet, the hamster relationship that she had, um, and all the relationships. Yeah, they really brushed over that hamster in like the film. The character of the secretary that worked for her cousin, mm. the relationship between two, the two of them is built up. And then what there is is this love triangle between Stephanie Plum, Joe Morelli, and Ranger, who is that weird ass bounty hunter mm. cop character in this mm. movie that they don't explore at all. Well, they kept talking about how hot he was, but they didn't like show us how hot but he was. In terms you know? of the film, if you're watching the film independently without having read the books, like you, I'm sure you were just like, why was he there? Like, he just showed up and saved her a couple of times. Yeah. Whereas in the books, he's a big character, and like you, it takes like three books. The second book, he's even bigger. But the third, even, even like, it, like. It, it, is there fucking in these books? Yeah, yeah, there's fucking. Yeah. That's the thing about the film is it's like you can't wait for a second one. Mm. 
You know what I mean? Like That's how they fucked up the Percy Jackson movies. Yeah. They Logan waited. Lerman. He was perfect. What are you talking about? They made the Percy Jackson movie. They made the second Percy Jackson movie. And then everyone was like, these are bad. <laughs> well, that's 100% what happened with this film. Yeah. Because I think they made this movie going, oh, we'll just like make sure we cram everything in real quick. And then we, oh my God, we have 28 films to explore this. No, you've no, got to, you kind you of almost. You've got to give us more. You've yeah. kind of got to throw out the book a little bit yeah. and give us a love triangle that works. And then you can start, you can almost unpick it in the second yeah. one. And carry on. I almost felt like this was a sequel. I was like, I'm supposed to know more about this, Mm. but I don't. They got it so wrong. The thing with what's the the tone of the book? Like, what's the tone? It's like a it's like a comedy thriller. Like, there's like really that's what I got from really fun, and she's this really like very. You want her to be your best mate. She's this very like fun character but then there's these really dark elements of murder and mystery is she competent that's the thing like one of the big jokes is like she seems incredibly clumsy and she kind of her life is falling apart but she's got this really great niche when she kind of falls into bounty hunting sandra bullock not right for the italian but right for the she would have she would have pulled it because i was not endeared to Catherine heigl's incompetence Mm. i was like lady how is it easier to stumble into bounty hunting than it is to get a second retail job. And also, like, the most just... I I hate to hold... She's got a gun in her purse. It's like, (laughs) can you get a a fucking safety on that? That's America, baby. Yeah. (laughs) That's true. Uh, No, in my opinion, having read the books and what it... She's scrabbling around. She's like, where's my gun? I'm like, can you hold it? It's fucked. (laughs) Like, the whole scene with the granny shoots the turkey is in the book. But it's this really funny build-up rather than just going, oh, we'll just give Debbie Reynolds a gun <laughs> to shoot a Was turkey. Was that Debbie Reynolds? That's Debbie yeah, Reynolds. her last um, movie. So I think Beanie Felstead would have been the perfect oh, Stephanie yeah. Plum. Nah. <laughs> All right. No, I think like right now would be I the like perfect. I like her for it if we made Yeah, if they made it now. I'm trying yeah. to think of who I'd and love. And Joe Morelli is meant to be this Fucking gorgeous stuff. Who is dude. that guy that's that is because he's, he's like handsome enough, but he was kind of like knockoffy. Um, oh, he was their third choice. <laughs> also, he vibe. clearly like pumped. There's a scene where he like <laughs> comes out with a coffee after they like he's not wearing a shirt. Yep. And I, and it's clear that he's like not drunk water for the day, and like has clearly like just <laughs> literally like just done a few weights before just he steps So many on. people in this movie are like, "This is my last." Chance. Okay, I'm not even joking. <laughs> like having looked him up, he's not done much. No. So, no. Something called Terra Nova. But oh, I watched that actually. That's why he looked familiar. Okay, so he's in Terra Nova, and he's, he's in the dad. He's in a movie called Wakefield. Okay. And then he was in a TV series that ran for two years called Life on Mars. Oh, I remember Life on Mars. That was a okay. Well, he's been all right. An American he's remake a of a actor. British show. He's a working actor. But I want to jump in. I was just being funny with the beanie um, thing because I think I my last. This is a run of people been miscast because Catherine Heigl. No shade to her. She's been miscast in this film. Yeah, and yeah. I mm. also thought that beanie. What's her last name? Feldstein. Feldstein. I thought she was miscast as Monica Lewinsky in. She did she not play Monica Lewinsky in the that Monica Lewinsky? I don't think so. American she, Crime. Did she story? She was recently cast as Funny Girl before that whole big drama happened. There was a. a I think it just didn't make any impact. But like, there was like an American Crime. Um, am I thinking of a different actor? 
I don't know. Monica I've, Lewinsky. I, oh, I just Googled Monica Lewinsky. That's not what I'm trying to do. <laughs> Monica Lewinsky. But no, the, the, because that is the ultimate of like miscasting that series. Did you not see this oh, series? Oh, yeah, no. she did play it. But yeah. So I she had, played I had no she idea. played Monica Lewinsky, which is terrible casting because she's like got a, she's like got an endearing, yeah. you know, and that's not Monica Lewinsky. I think Monica Lewinsky is, but then. More sharp edges. But yeah. But Bill Clinton is played by. Um, who's he played by? By are you looking at the cast of the story right now? I'm just looking What's at a picture called? of Beanie Feldstein next to Monica Lewinsky. All oh, right, <laughs> it's it's about it's a it's American crime story, and it's the most miscast thing you'll ever see in your life. I'm going to look this up. <laughs> this is a Vanity Fair article. So yeah, you've got to become be- Monica Lewinsky. Beanie Feldstein had to feel her pain. <laughs> So Beanie Feldstein oh. plays Monica Lewinsky, so she's like, which isn't right. But then um, Clive Owen plays Bill Clinton. Oh, my God. Why haven't I seen this? He's under a pile of makeup. And it's just like how you would think that the most uptight, intense British actor imaginable mm. would pull off the smooth-talking southern oh my God. president. That's and the, the funniest age, thing I've ever heard. The age gap on that is crazy. Cause but that's sh- the age gap on Lewinsky and Clinton, yeah? Yeah. Really? They had yeah, a that was massive. Crazy, she yeah. was like, she was the young She was an intern. intern. Yeah. Shit. Yeah, it definitely yeah. needed a story to reappraise it, but just not with Bean Feldstein and Turns fucking Clive Turns out I know nothing about this. That's so odd. Well, that's <laughs> yeah. who I would love to have seen cast in this. But no, this film was so, uh, like every character was miscast. Really weird. Like, yeah, crazy. Except and w- for maybe, maybe. Debbie Reynolds as the grandmother. But she didn't get enough lines. Well, no. And the grandmother was this kind of like eccentric kind of and was like best mates with Stephanie Plum. They get along very well. Like, but it was just like, well, it was just odd. The whole thing was so strange. You know who wasn't miscast? Yeah. Sherry Shepard, who is my personal John Luguazama. Do you oh. love Sherry Shepard? I love oh. Sherry Shepard. Which one's Sherry Shepard? Sherry Shepard played the sex worker. Oh, the main sex yeah, worker. Yeah, the main Oh, sex she worker. was great. She's so fucking funny. She was great. Leguizamo was great. Genuinely. Genuinely. I think those two were yeah. were the right. Oh, and the cousin. Yeah. Cousin the Vinny. The cousin oh, yeah. had a very funny, like, tonal. And he's a really interesting character. That's actor. the weird. To me, that is the weirdest. He kept finishing the end of his sentences with the start of his next sentence. It was a very funny rhythm. I, <laughs> I really liked it. That was, but his. But that also whole... his vibe is weird because, like, the whole reason she gets the job is because he's, like, because she's, like, you made out with me at my wedding. And he's, like, I thought you were someone else. And she's, like. I was the one in the white dress. Yeah, he tried to hook up with his cousin. It was like, but like it's like they would they should they really have just played like that a. Off. They should have put like a but at that that at the end of all these jokes because it was just the this, most ridiculous. This is why I want to know about the book, right? Because I think that as I was watching it, I was like, this is so off, right? But then I just watched um, Death Becomes Her recently. Mm-hmm. Great film, right? Love. And dark. Like I love a black comedy, and I was like, maybe the book. Balances the darkness better. Maybe the book is a bit more I like. I think most yes, books it does. do, though. Yeah. Because you just have so much more real estate to like go in and out of funny. And it yeah. lets you create the tone. And because you're not a fucking idiot, you create the right tone in your head. Because I yeah. think this is the, the, the thing that's crazy about it, right? Is it's the Catherine Heigl of it all. Yeah. And then it's shot like a Catherine Heigl movie. Yes. It's like. 
I can't even like and it's I, shot nice and there's no shot, like <laughs> it's shot so well lit, which is not something I thought I would ever be complaining about because usually I'm like turn on the lights. <laughs> Why can't I see what's happening? It's shot like a rom-com. I, people get yeah. mad at me because my favorite Indiana Jones movie is Kingdom of the Crystal Skull, which to be That's fair insane. is the worst one. <laughs> and it's insane. it's just the one that came out when I was a kid oh, so right, I saw yeah, it in the movies right, okay. we're old but <laughs> whoa <laughs> but also yeah, I not- saw it at the movies as well this but I like new- made my own way to the Zach, movies we're currently sitting next to the talk. new generation oh great sick I love this but, thank uh, you <laughs> but also that movie is outdoors in the daytime for most of it yeah and they're not in a cave I have no idea what the fuck is happening in Raiders of the Lost Ark because it's so dark. I actually yeah, agree true. with you. I get really angry. This is a film. Where's the lights? Scary <laughs> movies are so much scarier when the lighting is good. When the yes. lighting is decent. Decent. You need a little bit of contrast. Yes. Decent. I, have you seen that, the trailer oh, yeah. for the new Peter Pan movie? Oh, no. no apparently it's, it's like, like great. Where, li- where, where are the lights? Can we get a little bit of backfill here, people? <laughs> Fairy dust or some <laughs> colour, maybe? My, I think I was for the like, Disney movie for children. <laughs> I think I was like worried about this film or like I was like, this is an odd tonal film right from the start because it opens. And this is why I'd love to know about the book because mm-hmm. it opens with like her dinner with her. Because I imagine you've seen Moonstruck, Mish. It's like one of my favourite movies. Right. Great. Perfect. Of course it is. Have you seen Moonstruck? I don't think so. so it's, it's great. It's, 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 and it's the... I think the pinnacle of I couldn't really get behind A Star Is Born because it, it has similar scenes. Mm. It has the Italian family mm-hmm. scenes, right? And Moonstruck does it so well. And then this opens with like a scene that's meant to be that. I felt like it was meant to be that, like the Italian family talking over mm. each other. And but it's shot like no one's in each other's shots. It's shot like really beautifully it's and well lit. It's very sparse. And even the script was very sparse. I was like, what you needed to do was write every character there in like a whole scene of dialogue so they can just keep talking and mm. just keep talk. So they just keep having lines. I think. So then you can edit it. And it- like handheld and have people in each other's shots. Yeah. I think the Whereas focus- they were just like, line and stop. Well, I feel and like. <laughs> And stop. I and feel then like grandma the focus... shot the turkey. And it was like, why'd she do that? It was so fucking weird. I think the she focus. She really could have hurt somebody. Like, oh my God, these novels are so popular and fun. So yeah. let's focus on the fun. When yeah. it wasn't, it's not about that. Like the, the way the books, well, also, again, from memory, this is like fucking ages ago. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, from memory, the books build relationships really well. Mm. And the kind of like pull for the books is this relationship she has with Joe Morelli and then with Ranger and this kind of love triangle that's created and the mystery behind whether this guy, Joe Morelli, I'm glad we did a spoiler warning because he's a big spoiler, actually did kill, as a cop, kill this person who yeah, was unarmed. you know from the start of the movie. He from, did um, that, you di- that he didn't and it was meant to, it's meant to be this big like, oh, my God, did he, did he not? And also she's incredibly attracted to him. So her dealing with like the fact that she's kind of attracted to someone who might have murdered somebody, like it's very, like there are dark elements. It's a fun book. It's a light book. But 
There's no, they think, don't, they don't kind of like shy away from this ridiculousness. And I'd not thought of what you just said then about this kind of coming together of an Italian family because Moonstruck does do it so well. Olympia Dukakis is so fucking phenomenal, phenomenal as like Italian mother. And that kind of like whole family eating breakfast together as a unit, but not like because they have to be there. And it's they like talk that's just over how each we, other. This is how we kind of operate. Yeah. Is that is that the tone that this could have? If, if that had more of that, it, always, it would have worked. I think the yeah. problem is it was already pulling too fun because mm. they cast Catherine Heigl. Like yeah. you needed to, if you're going to cast her, you need to lean grittier yeah. for the rest of it because she's like a shining blonde light. And Stephanie Plum in the books is attractive in like a voluptuous, thick, dark hair kind of way. Mm. Yeah, but isn't a, isn't Hollywood Catherine Heigl? I no, took I, a couple yeah. of notes on the way they talk about her body that were like crazy to me. Um, she first of all, she's very cool. She only sits on desks. She doesn't sit on chairs. She sits on desks yeah. all the time. It's annoying. Yes. It's like, get off my desk. There's a chair right there. You're a full-grown woman. You're taking up space. Um, and then they did the thing of, like, thin white woman praised for being thin while eating junk food where he's like, how do you eat all this crap and look like that? It's 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 that bit, right, made me think that, like, that's not someone with a high metabolism. Like Catherine, I don't want to judge, but Catherine Heigl's not someone with a high metabolism. Like people with high metabolisms no, no, are kind of more wiry. You know jo- what I mean? It or is like- her job to remain thin. Yeah, like, and thus she does it. So it is incredibly unrealistic to be like, yeah, she eats all this stuff, and mm. she's still size two. And it's like, what are you? What are you talking about? No, no, she doesn't. <laughs> Do you know what scene no, about the her fuck body? She does it. The scene about her body that really bothered me, and I wonder if it's in your list, is when he's wiring her up. And so he's like, you got to take off your top. Firstly, you don't have no, to you take don't. off your top. We have all been on sets before of some kind where we require mics. You don't need to get naked. The to mic pack goes around your middle. <laughs> and so they're in the middle of talking about how she is going to go into an incredibly dangerous situation to try and find the person who killed this guy. And he's just talking about, like, how nice her bra is. And he's and- just, like, staring straight at her tits. Yeah. For no reason. It's also like that scene is whack because like <laughs> that scene three I actually had less of a problem with because I was like, okay, it's like a romantic thriller, like right, building yeah. tension. That's a like, scene. It's almost a this cliche. is the like enemies to lovers thing of like we're naked. But we <laughs> I want to know each other. why did you think? Why did you think it was whack? So right because <laughs> because that's exactly what you're saying. Like it, it's a scene that you have in every movie. Mm. The through circumstance. Someone's got to take their shirt off, and, and we hate each other. But visually apparent oh, that we're attracted to. Each I other. didn't realize that you, Catherine Heigl, <laughs> was sexy. Like, like that reveal that happens. You know, I watched. A, there was a scene in Batwoman You're that so I watched brunette. the other week, where where she was a doctor, and she was like, "Now I need you to take off your shirt so I can do your blood pressure." And then she's like, "Blah blah blah blah." <laughs> Also, almost always these scenes are, like, super creepy because it's always a work thing. It's yeah. always, yeah. like, a doctor or, a, like, a, I've yeah, got to wire you up. Yeah, the imbalance of power is always, <laughs> so like, okay. Like, any time I'm, I'm, I'm in that seat, like, I often have sound people and if they were like, oh, gee whiz, <laughs> or if my doctor made me <laughs> yeah. take my shirt off, I was like, whoa. 
<laughs> Someone ever was like shoving their hand down my dress to put a mic pack on me, and they were like, "Oh, nice tits." I would be like, "Okay, who do I report you yeah. to?" But like, <laughs> who do I call? Like, I was okay with the scene because it's a it's a trope, it's a trope. of the genre, right? Mm-hmm. Except for the fact that three scenes earlier, she uh, he'd handcuffed her to uh, the shower. So he'd seen her naked. Fully naked. Fully naked. And In order to steal his car back, he'd seen her fully naked. And took her towel. And took yeah. her towel as like a bit of a funny thing. So that what I loved was this notion that they were writing this scene and they were like, well, she's got to wire up. Let's do this funny the scene. Trope. Mm. But then they went, as they were writing the scene, they went, oh, we've already done a scene where, she's, where he's seen her naked. And rather than go, so let's not write the scene, mm. they go... Well, maybe we'll make it about her bra. <laughs> <laughs> and he goes, you've got a nice bra. Also, I thought that was a perfect opportunity to pull back to the fact that she was a lingerie sales that lady. also... She well, didn't even bring it up. She didn't bring that point. up. And what, he was I like, nice never. bra. And she should have been like, thanks, I sold lingerie for five years and now I'm doing this. Something like, has just occurred to me. I sold lingerie for five years. Oh, I did. Yeah. That was a job I had after the call center, right? <laughs> I love that for you. I saw, and I had the nicest lingerie. And at not one point did a man ever comment on it being nice. They Lots, never do. Boobs, yes. Boobs, yes. But yeah, the only like- reason he said nice bra is because he'd already seen her naked breasts. He'd already <laughs> seen her naked two scenes earlier I and they didn't have anything said, for him to say. I think he also said nice tits or yeah, something yeah. at that <laughs> he, point. He How said, about, oh my God. <laughs> Sorry, this isn't about the tits anymore. The end was Fucked. Oh yeah, that's so, what I was, that's, I've been Wait, I have one more thing about her body. Oh yeah, great. It was weird. It did that thing of like, we're a gritty romantic thriller, but it was so chaste, like end of movie, no kiss, not even a kiss, but we're blowing people up with car bombs. Mm. So I have no idea what the rating is. It's like the violence is fucked. So you should at least make out. That's because they don't kiss in the book. Oh, but, yeah. so you know what? I, oh, 100% I know what you mean. It's like, like at the end, it's like, well, it's, it's a, a movie. Yeah, there's it's a, a movie. Bit at, there's a bit towards the end where she gets shot in the butt and she makes a comment. She was like, luckily, it was only in my unnecessary butt fat. And it was kind of like to be like, oh, I need to lose a few. And it's like, no, you're Catherine Heigl. It's 2012. You have no unnecessary butt fat. None at all. It's ridiculous that we're meant to believe that. <laughs> your pelvis has been shattered. <laughs> there is nothing between the bullet and, and your bones. That's so <laughs> stupid. They do that. They did, did it a couple of times where it's like nice ass and it's like, where? <laughs> <laughs> this is a very thin white woman. Yeah, to try and suggest that she's not. Hollywood perfect yeah, is ridiculous. Crazy. And she's just like chowing down. And also she's chowing down like skeddy meatballs. Skeddy meatballs, which is clearly something that's in the book. Yeah. And like I read, I read, I was so intrigued by this, like that I was reading about it. And in the book they talk about the fact that she has a fast metabolism. Like that's a part that's of a, the character yeah. is that she eats a lot. But it's just like you Catherine Heigl doesn't have a fast metabolism. No. You know what I'm saying? Yeah. Like maybe I'm being a bit weird here, but like no, no. that's not someone who need, eats a lot of pasta. You could have just made it like she doesn't have any money, <laughs> so she's buying cheap 
fucking cheese balls and diner spaghetti because it costs like $2. Like, that's fine also. No, but yeah. at that point she did have money because she became a bounty hunter. Oh, that's true. Because she made, threatened her cousin. But you made her thinness mm. inherent to her character. Yeah. Which is stupid. Crazy. So stupid. And then there's this bit where she's in the car. She's been shot. And she's like, getting shot as a bitch. And Ranger, who's driving her, is like, what does he say? He says, getting stabbed is worse. And I would like to argue that in both cases, it is very much location specific. <laughs> it is. Yeah, I would say they shoot. And also, but also, what a cunt move. She's just been shot. <laughs> She's been shot. Would you imagine if you got shot and I was driving you to the hospital <laughs> and I said to you, and you said to me, oh, Mish. Oh, being shot's a real bitch. I went, well, sorry about that, Zach. Want to know something? Being stabbed is worse. Also, there was no point in the movie where Ranger was stabbed. So this was just like, I didn't know that he'd been stabbed. You're meant to think that Ranger is this mysterious dude who's been through a lot and he's really strong. Whereas in this movie, all he does is unpick a lot of locks. bringing things up for no reason. He unpicks a lot of locks. And he's like, it's worse. (laughs) Getting stabbed is worse. And I'm like, no, the fuck it isn't. I'm so glad you're as passionate about this film (laughs) as we are. But also, if you stab me, like, in the foot. Yeah. It's def like that is much less bad than getting shot in the head. Also, like- <laughs> also, he talks about in this movie. He says the gun that was used, or the bullet was that was used, was a bullet that goes in like a PB in like gun. a BB gun out like a potato. Out, yeah, like. Surely that's more painful than getting stabbed. Oh, Truly, surely. <laughs> and like when you get stabbed, if you get stabbed and you leave the knife mm. in. You can get to the hospital before you even start bleeding. That's like true. it's <laughs> it's a ridiculous thing. This movie's fucked. The, I want to talk about the end. The, are you are you going to talk about the end end or are we going to talk about the most tonally horrific? Oh, the tonally horrific part. You go. No, you Is go. Is it the Colby Calais song at the end? No. <laughs> <laughs> no, the, the, that is such a weird. <laughs> No, I, I was like, about- oh, oh, we are doing Catherine Heigl rom-com. No, Brighter so- than the sun is playing. It really so is funny. 2012. So this is, this is, this is, I wanted to say that the movie is like really, really strange. Just to anyone listening, I don't think I've conveyed enough or any of us have conveyed enough how tonally strange this movie is. What is written is, is Moonstruck meets... Like noir, like I'm talking yeah. violent crime. Well, yeah, and they tr- kind of tried to write it like '40s noir-ish. Like they yeah. tried to, she so, tried so to be like, this femme fatale. Like the 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 the, the, the dialogue is kind of weirdly yeah yeah. Prim- so it's like, like crime structurally noir meets Moonstruck. Dialogue is halfway between noir and like rom com. Yeah, casting is Catherine Heigl and some dude. <laughs> And t- and filming Several is like mid mid budget Catherine yeah. Heigl film, right? It's all off, and then it gets to the end, and it tips over so badly. What part are you talking about? I'm talking about where they find all the bodies in the truck. They're looking for this yeah. girl. They're looking for this sex worker for Sherry Shepherd's friend. Sherry lost. Shepherd's friend, a sex worker. This is a trigger warning up the wazoo right <laughs> yeah. now. So turn off if you're triggered by anything. Sex worker, partner of of a awful rapist, criminal, a rapist abuser. Yeah, yeah. And then I think they're going to find her because of the tone of this movie. Because her, they meet her kid. 
like that we meet her kid because the movie is so light, so it's well so lit. bubbly, it's so it's well so lit, bubbly. They find her body in a barrel. Yeah, yeah, and then, and then. She locks him in, in, in the it. truck as payback, <laughs> and it's like he's like, "Ah, oh, come on, you're gonna lock me in the truck with, with this two body bodies, <laughs> yeah, two it was, bodies." So basically, We're John Lake was no town shit. It, <laughs> it is revealed. <laughs> Horrific saw trap torture. So usually, in like ooh, Seth Rogen esque antics. So weird. Usually, a Leguizamo fan would be thrilled to discover that John Leguizamo is the bad guy. He's the big bad. But yeah. in this film, I didn't care. Which is in itself. Well, not that I didn't care. It was just like, well, yep, all right, that makes sense because this movie's so fucking off. John Leguizamo was revealed to be the bad guy. That was actually a shock surprise to me. I mean, I kind of saw it coming, but then I was like, ah. I yeah. was right. I was well, like, otherwise, oh, what's great. The, it's one of those things like, otherwise, what's the point of his character? Like, uh, yeah, I mean? no, yeah, I was like, mm-hmm. uh, I, yeah, I, I was like, it he's was third build, so yeah. he's got another scene. Yeah. I was, <laughs> I was, <laughs> that's where we're at with yeah. John Leguizamo now. I was not sure. I was not sure who was going to be the bad guy until she goes to the hospital with the sex worker who gets all beat up, and mm. he shows up. With flowers, Can and he's like, yeah. about "I'm so sorry." Like that was a, yeah. So Sherry Shepherd violence. is a sex worker who gets violently beaten, assaulted, and right? then chucked out of a car. Yeah, so, and then she runs down, and she's like, "I'm going to get help. I'm going to get help." And then she just goes, "Help! <laughs> <laughs> Where's your phone, bitch?" And so why are you telling her, "I'm going to get help"? They go to the hospital. <laughs> She and stays, she, she stays exactly where she is, and she says, "Help!" I'm going one time. If, 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 if you're, if you're, I thought idea, Sherry Shepard was done. I thought she was dying your in the street. Idea for getting help for Sherry Shepard is to shout out help. Then you could have just shouted out help, and Sherry Shepard would have figured out what you were doing. But also, <laughs> you didn't have to tell her. I thought she was going to say, "Don't worry, I'm calling an ambulance right now." But she left her phone in her house Fuck. like a fucking idiot, like then, with her so, goddamn hamster. The next scene is at the hospital and Sherry Shepard's being wheeled out with, like, bruises and all over her. thank God she's all right. Yeah, I well, not she only was, is she I'm all right, she's doing witty quips. <laughs> There's literally a bit. <laughs> she is carrying this movie. I cannot stress enough how what, much I what, love what, Sherry Shepard. There's literally a bit where she gets beaten like all awful, awful. And then there's a bit where she goes off, she walks up, does a quip, and then Catherine Heigl's like, she's going to be all right. Literally. <laughs> like, it's you know so what? She she's going to be She don't know that. It's she's so not okay weird. in her heart. So John Leguizamo shows up. He's got flowers. And he's like, oh, my God, I'm so sorry. I'll pay all your bills, and which is kind. And then he gives her the flowers and she's in a wheelchair and she's got one broken arm in a sling and she goes, get those stank ass flowers away from me. And then she takes them back. She's like, ah, you brought them. Like, yeah, it's like, (laughs) she's doing very funny lines for the wrong movie. (laughs) Yeah. It's so strange. So John Leguizamo is revealed to be the bad guy. Catherine Heigl. Which makes me think. Kills him. She's not getting her bills paid. No, probably not. <laughs> yeah, that's true. And this is America. <laughs> she's ruined. So Catherine Heigl shoots him five she times. She doesn't have in insurance. She is a street walker. <laughs> yeah, she fucked. Um, he, she shoots him five times in the chest and he dies. Joe Morelli's like, oh, my God, are you okay? And she's like, oh, I got shot in the ass. Oh, oh no. <laughs> and then um, she's like, ooh, this is my perfect opportunity for revenge from when you handcuffed me to my shower I'm going to lock you in this truck 
with three dead bodies. One of them is very decaying, like yeah. of the people that we have been searching for now for weeks. Lit- and and he's liter- like, don't do it. And she's just like, bad luck, Morelli, and then drives the truck to the hospital. And she's like, he's in the ba- He's mad. It's and like, of she, course he's mad. He's traumatised. Her cop friend, she's like, he's innocent. I just wanted to give him a little bit of a, a taste of his own medicine. It's like, well, I'm going to arrest you now because what you just did was like the most disgusting. <laughs> a abhorrent- sore trap. Yeah. <laughs> this is like, and that's that's. I and think- she literally is like, I can't be bothered getting him in the cab. It's easier to drive him this way. It's like, is it easier? It's a. I, it movie. is. It is wild. Like that. That moment. That story beat is just like. There's something that tips it into just the most adventure. Like, how mm. did they think that they could tonally pull off? Snow town, like a snow town, because <laughs> yeah. there's a bit where they're loading barrels into the truck. Maybe a, s- a few scenes before, where I was like, "If this oh, movie, those were the barrels, yeah. because right. they really didn't give me a great shot of the bodies at all." No, because I looked away and I was like, "Oh wait, what's happening? There are bodies." No, you didn't see them. I, you did not see them, which is another reason I was like, "This is almost G-rated." This movie, there is so little. Actual violence. No, yeah. And no sex. Mm. No, like, absolutely. And that that's it, and it needed more. Like they literally and this is not me like I like Snowtown. It's one of my favorite movies. My issue is that you see barrels going into a truck and you're like, please. I remember just thinking, please don't let there be bodies in yeah, that barrel. Same. Most of Man, all, I'm don't so let innocent. that be. I was the- like, those barrels are full of fish. So I guess that's how you keep <laughs> I barrels. I watch a lot of movies where there's bodies in that barrel. <laughs> but the movie knows how to pull off the body in the barrel. Yeah. And when they discover, when they open the barrel and there's a body in there, I was just like, there's no coming back from that. And she yeah. sort of gags a little and kind of puts her, her hands over her mouth and is like. But like she saw And he's vomit. like, don't vomit. You'll ruin the crime scene. Don't vomit. You'll ruin. So she don't vomit. You'll ruin the crime scene. And then she locks him in a car and drives off. Mm. And then she shoots. It. Like they do the so much to ruined. ruin the crime. If scene. She, also, any like if anything, if you vomit at a crime scene, it's just like well, that's where she vomited. <laughs> like that's not part of it. They have that's a part, that is, you know that's where you they know they have a yeah, tag they have a bag for that like the, the, they had that goes on the list the apprentice of like, bounty hunter they saw don't this. just like not cover like your fingerprints are all over everything you're not wearing gloves like yeah. you have disturbed this crime scene like it's gonna have to be taken also, into account you locked Joe Morelli in there who's the number one like suspect anyway so his shit is now everywhere <laughs> yeah because he's been trashed yeah us. luckily Fucked. you were wearing that wire when John Leguizamo handily confessed to everything he did because they, otherwise yeah. Joe Morelli would very much still be the bad guy yeah. just just the idea of a movie with the tone of miscongeniality congeniality <laughs> yeah. Ending with something as horrific as the ending of Seven. No joke. As horrific as the yeah. ending of Seven. Literally. And they keep the repartee. They They're do less not change totally, the tone. They're less. Like, miscongeniality goes more serious in the third it's, act. Oh, my God. Genuinely. <laughs> there is no, like, it's, A while. It, the, it's just crazy. Miscongeniality, the bit where she does kiss, which, which is knee, nose. No, knee, instep, soft palate. Groin. Sing. Sing. It's um solarplex in step nose groin. Yeah. Yeah, it goes it knows it, it's got to go there yeah. for something less serious than the than a body in a barrel. It's so <laughs> fucked up. I, I like can that say- scene from Mish Congeniality is like burned into my brain of like <laughs> 
a woman teaching a bunch of beauty queens how to defend themselves from predatory men that are they are surrounded by because mm. this industry this industry that they are part of is created, invented, and yeah. run by predatory men. And she's like, I need to teach these girls how to protect themselves. Like they made that tonally more serious than finding a bunch of bodies in a fish van. Yeah, it's so fucked up. And they I left say- John Leguizamo on the street. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Why did they call the police to there? To the crimes. She At shot a marina. Him. There are people around the she marina. She shot him five times and then left. And she and not only <laughs> yeah. did she lock this love interest in a truck with dead bodies, she locked the dead... The- him in a truck with a dead body in a barrel that is now open. So everything would have just been sloshing about. But she just drove a crime scene across the state when, like, you just shot, call somebody. Um, Honestly, I will say, I can say this now with absolute confidence that you and I, Zach Ruin, have watched or done nearly 170 episodes of this podcast. That's so crazy. This is the most cooked Film that we have done, oh. I think. I'm and so when happy you to said, part of it. "Oh my god, I'm so glad you were part of this," this you saying that this is the tonally most off movie you have ever seen. I think I agree. I think that it is. I didn't even realize how tonally off it was until you started talking about it, and I was like, "Oh, that's why I felt so confused, so confused. the whole time." And it's like I'm really. I was like waiting for Catherine Heigl romantic. It's disappointing. It's really. It's really disappointing because. The it the books do have a really good potential for a TV series. Yes, ah, it yeah. should fucking be a TV series because yeah, the book yeah, yeah. could become a six. But episode this was, this was two thousand and twelve. They didn't believe in TV back then. Yeah, true. But then the movie feels more two thousand and five. That's the oh, wild absolutely. thing for me. Like, the phones, like they don't. Yeah, even have, they've got yeah. My phones. partner brought that up. He was just like, "What year is this?" I'm like, two thousand twelve. He's like, "Why are their phones so shit?" Two thousand and twelve was right on the edge. No, but they're really shit phones. They're quite. Yeah. But then she's not supposed to have any money. But like, yeah, all their phones are really bad. And mm. she's okay. The bit at the end. This is something I do not enjoy in romance novels. Yeah, is when. To kind of force the intimacy between two characters before they've actually mm. done anything physically intimate, they give each other or one of them gives the other a nickname or like a pet name. Oh, my God. Yeah, this was weird. And it's shoved in there and it doesn't roll off the tongue and it doesn't make sense. And because I think probably once or twice they've done it and everyone's like, oh, my God, like because it worked. Mm. And so then they're like, people like this. And it's like, <laughs> not when it doesn't work. Yeah. And so he... The amount of time someone calls someone else baby and you're like, ugh, in this movie. It was like, ah, oh, you didn't need to add that. But he calls her cupcake all the time. Oh, yeah. yeah. For no reason. Yeah, and then at the end when it's like, ooh, something's going to happen to her, he rocks up at her door after she's like. he, She is like, I'm scared this man's going to kill me. Because. <laughs> Because of what I did to him. What I did to yeah, him. And then, but no, no, he doesn't want to kill you. He wants to make love to you. He is hot. Okay. She opens the door. She looks out through the, like, um, yeah, what's that? The chain. Yeah. She doesn't know if he's going to murder her or not. And she looks out and he is holding one cupcake mm. in his hand. Yeah, why do you have a box of cupcakes? Yeah, it's a box. <laughs> and he's like, I saw this and it made me think of you. 
Because for the entire movie, he's been calling her Cupcake. Where did you see one loose cupcake? Like, no box. Just, that is no Did they just tongue it right into your hand? <laughs> also, that's the, the biggest <laughs> fuck Did they move. just tongue it right Were into your hand? Were you holding it? Put it in my oh. hand. It drove one-handed to her hair. <laughs> but there's all kinds of fucking dust on this thing. Because you didn't like get it like a container or a Tupperware or something. That sounds- she, he is holding it in his paw. Like... <laughs> Like just like, tongue it right in my head. I'm, I'm just, it's just around the I'm corner. I've got to go see him. I've got to see this mouth. chick. And I think the reason is because the shot is like through the door. So he has to sort of hold it in quite a thin space uh. <laughs> right in front of his own face. But again, a box or a plate or, or a bag or, or ridiculous or something. I. Yeah, it was just... It, and then brighter than the sun. It's such a bad mo- song to end that up. That call, and- that's funny. <laughs> the funniest thing about this movie is that, yes, that song did play at the end of the film, but it was so in keeping with how fucking weird this movie... I didn't even <laughs> clock it. So you saying, what's the name of the singer? Colby Calais. Yeah. That, oh, this movie ends with Colby Calais. Well, of course it fucking does. Well, I, did, I reacted that way as well. I was if like, it ended yeah, with well. Anthony and the Johnsons, it would have been... Like, <laughs> it was 2012. <laughs> Yeah. That was really Colby's era. It just, it, yeah, man. It, and then the problem is, Jesus it's okay. I've never had any, we've never had a guest who feels so passionately. It's a pretty cooked movie. Yeah. The problem is, there's so much in it. It's pretty, and I, but I should also just say, right, to anyone listening, this is, you know, John's great. We love John. Yeah, he is. But it's very not good particularly it. cooked in a way that is like. Like Mario I'd be Brothers, shocked if it was PG. Yeah, right. But like Mario Brothers is cooked in a way that like comes together in a way that I find really satisfying. There are movies that are cooked in a way that is just like, whoa, this is just like, what? I watched the whole movie like, what? Yes, <laughs> it was cursed vibes. I was just like, and it's what? totally worth a watch. And also, actually, genuinely, pretty fun. <laughs> I think I think it's worth a watch if you are uh, watch it one time. If yeah. you want to watch, if you want to watch tonally the most cooked movie you will ever see, yeah, watch it. I, I think it's worth a watch if you make stuff. If you write. Or you, uh, yeah, watch are a, it and don't do that. I enjoyed it as someone who makes comedy to be like, oh, okay, yeah. And it made me think about like, why does a dark comedy work? And this, mm. it made me go, hmm, why do things work and other things don't? Yeah. But I don't. If I was a normal person with a normal job that mm. listens to this podcast because it's fun or whatever, I don't know if I would enjoy this hour. Oh and yeah, a half. no, maybe not. <laughs> also, the pro- not. I don't have a problem with Colby Calais. I think she's great. I think it's a weird choice to put her song at the end of this movie, but... I don't think it's that weird. <laughs> such as you will, and good for her. But <laughs> the, the song plays, credits roll, and the first page of the credits, first line, before we see top cast, before oh, we see Catherine Heigl's name, we see In Loving Memory oh, yeah. of Michael Dennison. And I thought, who the fuck is Michael Dennison? And I looked it up, and he is the costume designer, and he died on the set of this movie. Oh, no. On the set, this man died. And the thing was, he picked the bra. Oh, maybe. I don't know. <laughs> Probably. They had almost done, They were almost done with principal photography. He drops dead. And so then they have to dedicate this movie to him. The problem is the movie is not good. And he... Yeah, that's fucking dark. And you didn't write what his job was or why he's being 
remembered in this way. So I don't, I was like, did he write the book? Did he write the screenplay? Yeah. Was he supposed to be in this? I'm so glad you looked was that up. I didn't director? even think to. Like what happened yeah. to this man? And why would you put Brighter Than the Sun over his memorial? I think that that song playing at the end of this movie is perfect. <laughs> I, I honestly do. I think that it, it, that, that to me it, it feels like a whole film now. But genuinely like. It was still playing when I was on my phone reading the article where Catherine Heigl was like, <laughs> we were all devastated at the loss of this poor man. Oh, God. Catherine he had Heigl. just won an Emmy. Do you want to know my theory? And then this will be my last Yeah, then on we, the we should probably jump to Leguistamos. This um, episode's going for like four days. <laughs> I'm so sorry. It's the vibe. No, it's fine. No, it's this the is the vibe. This is the vibe. Yeah. I brought two missed episodes worth of energy. <laughs> <laughs> um, I, I, uh, I, I'll tell you what I think happened. Right, going all the way back, Mish, to what you were saying, you think happened. I know from Googling it, I know that they bought the rights to this film. The production company bought the rights to this film in 1997. Shit. So okay. they got the rights to this film pretty much as soon as the book came out because yeah. it's a... It's, it was a sensation. And I think from what I'm hearing about the books, I can see it being a great film. I can oh, see yeah. with the right director, the right... More than anything, the right actor in oh, the Oh, yeah, lead, absolutely. You know? you know what I would love? Uh, like a Jessica Jones-esque gritty... Funny ah. TV series. I think a TV series is of ripe. like winking at itself. I think, but I think, still um, like dark. I think I'm, I, I would go more down the the moonstruck, like real mm. sparky, handheld, spunky, interest, interest, like character actor mm. to the brim. You know yeah. what I mean? Like even well, they the- tried to because they got like Wasama, they got my gal Sherry, they got they Debbie got the Reynolds. character actors in. They got the they, character actors but, in, but they the, didn't get the. The Catherine Heigl is, and this is what I think happened. I think the movie came out, like they bought the rights in 97 and then this is a movie that lives or dies on who plays the lead. Mm. It can't happen Mm. unless there's a lead famous enough. So I reckon they went out to like a, they Mm. like they went out to a, um, to all the people, Mm -hmm. you know, and there just was never someone big enough willing to do the movie at the right hmm. time. Ah, yeah. And then, you know, and I reckon there was a, probably a time where, like, you we know, maybe. Sort of an Angelina Jolie, but when she wasn't as famous. Yeah, or, yeah. like, fu- or, or fully. Um, Sandra Bullock. Sandra Bullock. Mm. Like, Sandra Bullock would have pulled this off. Truly. Right? I'm and, really, I'm fascinated. And Keep I going. think they, they, you know, they tried. And maybe Sandra Bullock circled it for a little bit and then was like, nah, it's too similar to this or it's, it's I don't know how they'll tonally get it right or the script's not quite right. Mm. It kept happening and then it, it, ha- it was one of those things where, okay, Catherine Heigl's interested. She's not quite right, but. She's Catherine Heigl. She, she can get it made. And it all just sort of happened and no one stopped to go. Should it happen? <laughs> yeah. It was just one of those things that like finally there are all the plates are spinning. A lot of movies like that. I don't know if you listen to the How Did This Get Made No, podcast. no. It's one of my favourites. There's an episode where they do The Meg uh, with oh, wow. yeah, Adam yeah, yeah. Scott and Nicole Byer and I. it's like my comfort podcast episode. Like oh, I yeah. listen to it repeatedly, <laughs> which is why I'm about to like quote parts of it to I love you. the idea of a podcast. This is... To some people, this would be their comfort podcast yeah. and they're listening to you talking about your... This is like comfort podcast inception. <laughs> but there's a bit where they're like, it feels like someone said, if you can film the movie next week, we'll give you the boats. And they all went, 
okay. <laughs> yeah, like, that is what this feels like. This I'm is, like, yeah. if you can do it now, <laughs> we'll get we'll get it rolling. And they're like, absolutely, what it feels like. Okay, Heigl, Heigl's on board. Nobody else was ready. I just think I think that I have a feeling that the creators of this film were like, well, it's going to do well. Because it's on the, this book, mm. and I think that there was just that—that's what they were banking on. It's like, well, it's going to do and well, also, and it didn't. It fucking flopped hard. It's yeah. very, you know, it's a series very popular with women, mm-hmm. and once again, not to get on my misogyny high horse, but things made for women. They, people don't think they need to be good. No, <laughs> they don't think the that women don't. are a discerning audience, yeah. and we fucking especially are. Especially back back in twenty twelve, truly, and in, especially before two thousand seventeen. Um, I'm ready to give some leg with Starmos if you are. Oh yeah, for sure. So we didn't talk about leg legs. Yeah, much. we did. But that, no, but this will be the time to yeah brush up um, on our legs. We do <laughs> we do at the end of every episode, Grace and listeners who have never listened before. We do leg with Starmo rating of the film, not to be confused with a star rating of the film. If okay. we are not giving this movie a score out of five based on whether we liked it or not. It's purely how Leguizamo we it is. How much? How now, much? Yeah. Mm. Now, oh, can I go first? Yeah, please. Man. I'm going to give this four Leguistamos. Wow. Okay. Now, the reason Swear I'm giving it four Leguistamos is because this, of the era in which it was made, is something that, of course, he would say yes to. I'll do it. No worries. I'll get in. He was revealed to be the villain, third build, very, very Leguizamo-y. Now, the main reason I'm giving it four, and we have touched on this on the podcast, so I won't go too deep into it, is that we have both agreed, you and me, Zach, that John Leguizamo, above all other actors, I believe, at least in my opinion, is the best at taking shit script and somehow making it yes. sound good. He was magnetic. Now, I will say, I don't yes. want to, I, I genuinely, because of how tonally fucking weird this movie was, it was so inept, I genuinely enjoyed watching it because it was just so fucked. That's crazy. Mm. But it was not well written. No. It was not well, it was just not well created. It was um, not well. And he took this. It was this, not well. His script was, was well. so, the script was so bad that was given to him. But just watching him work with horrible script mm. is really, really such a good study in a good character actor. And that's what that's why I'm getting it. He's good. Four. He's very good at his yeah, job. I'm not that's not four out of five in terms of the quality of the oh, film. We know, it's four leg wastamos and I'm solid on it. Zach, your turn. Fuck. Okay. This is crazy. I I I, I think you've made a really fair argument, and I fully agree with you. Um, there was a moment where the cousin Vinny got, I can't remember the name of the actor, but he's been in like Lynch films and he's, he's, he always plays really weird. And I was like, I love, this might have some joy in its character. Was he the, the bounty hunter cousin? The, yes. Yeah. The, the, I did like him a lot. And he's a great, really interesting actor and he's been in some really cool stuff. And I was like, okay. But even he was like working. He yeah. was working, working to pull off the script. And there is an effortless charm to if you'd just seen the scene, you would have thought the script was better than it was from the scene that Legs is in. Mm-hmm. That being said, I give it one Leguistamo. Why? I give it one Leguistamo. He wasn't in it enough. He wasn't in it nearly enough. Wow, this might be our most skewed. I think I'm rating. wrong though, but I'm no, just no, gonna commit fine. to it because that like no, gives it a little bit thinking, of spark. No, because I was thinking, I was thinking two Leguistamos because he's he's very good, he's magnetic, uh, he really carries a lot of the movie, but he's just not in enough of it 
mm-hmm. to carry enough but of it. I would argue. But also scene by scene, he is really making do with the vibes. He's like, okay, what's the vibe of this scene? It's fucked, but mm. I'm in it. He also yeah, I'm pulls giving off it. the tone. He's he is it, at the hospital. Him at the hospital. I was like, this man can act. I will just say very quickly yeah. in what you just said about not him not being in it enough. I agree. That's but that is incredibly Leguizamo-y. Yeah, that is true. I'm um, also. Uh, we we well, had we like, had Dougie Baldwin on um a couple of months ago and he said and it was just like one of those like bing 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 moments. He said John Leguizamo when he's in a scene is incredibly good at matching the energy of the other people in the scene. Yeah. Like he's really good at assessing mm. what's going on. He's not in his own he movie, is he's fully a team player that. and he fucking does it. I'm solid four. I yeah, ain't no, budget. And I got can I change mine? Yeah. I'm going to give it three. I'm going to give it three. I'm going to give it a whole two more. Okay. Based on Mish, you've convinced Well, then I me. feel like I haven't seen that many John Leguizamo movies. No, you got to do it off your... I also you. didn't no, no, know... Stick to your two. I didn't know which one was him until you guys told me when I got here. Well, that sounds Did about Did you think he was right. good in it? Yeah, I thought he was really good in it. I thought he had... I thought, yeah, I was like... I, first, I thought he was Sam Lingham, and then I was like, wait, no. <laughs> <laughs> I'm going to say two, I'm gonna say two right more mustache. things... And this is why I've bumped it up to three. One is he is the only actor that I think got, like, worked within the... He is both dark enough. He has yeah. a, His character has a darkness mm. to him that where it goes works for that character. The quips made sense mm. within the realms of his... Yeah. He straddles the tone mm. impressively. He is both dark enough and light enough. To exist within all of the, and that is impressive, right? That's what one reason I bumped it up. Two, in the recast version of this film that I have in my head, that's made in two thousand and four and stars Sandra Bullock, yep. he's still in it in this part. Totally, that is so like Wazamu, and I love that so. So that's why I bumped totally. it up. I'm, all, I'm back to being horny again. I <laughs> <laughs> fuck yeah, it's let's, been like an hour. Let's all get horny. <laughs> I can't believe that of all the things. That were not in the movie, mm. that were in the book. <laughs> I can't believe that we got like two scenes with Debbie Reynolds mm. and the hamster stayed. Yeah. <laughs> the hamster Well, the hamster's not... a very big part of the books. But it was not relevant in the movies. Not you could at all. lose that hamster so efficiently, I man. I'm telling you now that they had plans on making many more of these films and it just got shot. Even shit. if you just had the hamster in the background and, like, you could maybe name the hamster in the second movie if you're going to get one. Oh, but believe like, me. The hamster came up and I was like, more Debbie Reynolds, more Sherry Shepard, more John Leguizamo. <laughs> I, don't want, I don't want this hamster. Hey, guys, guess, guess what? This what? movie gets five hamsters. <laughs> <laughs> All right. It does too. Grace Jarvis, thank you so much for joining thank us you. today you're on Leguizamo Rama. Thank you for having me. I know for Sorry a for fact yelling. for a... Welcome to the. We've got another Hamish on our hands. Welcome to the. Uh, welcome the, to the Legwa. We just yell a lot. Okay. What did you say? I missed that. I said sorry for yelling. Oh no, we yell too. Oh, we yell too. Yeah, yeah. Great. You just. That's, that's great. Uh, all we do is that's, just talk over each that's other. That's exactly what this is. Yeah. Great. Fine. You really, you really get us. You man. got it. I mean, um, otherwise, it's just. Uh, most guests are just someone politely being yelled at. Yeah. Occasionally, the guest comes in and is like, "I'm gonna." I'm just going to be the Andy to your Hamishes. Like we, mm. Sam Peterson and Michelle Brazier just become de facto hosts. Yeah. And then <laughs> but, sometimes we get guests in who every once in a while just be like, yeah. <laughs> but <laughs> to have true. someone that yells back, I liked it. Yeah. I liked it. And I can I just say, I know for a fact that you've got a phenomenal Melbourne 
International Comedy Festival show in your hands. Um, only because, and I know that it's going to be phenomenal. I've not seen it. I've not heard it. But your work is, like, phenomenal. And the stuff you pulled out last year, like, I, it was like hats off to you. It's incredible. So people should go and see your comedy yeah. festival show. Where is it? Where can people find you? It's called This is the Last Goldfish That I'm Going to Eat For You. Um, it's about, in theory, it's about all the stuff I did to try and make friends before I realized I had autism. Oh, nice. And I thought I was impressing people and I wasn't. Um, but yeah, it's called This is the Last Goldfish That I'm Going to Eat For You. It's at Trades Hall um, at, at 620. I hear it's going to be a hub this year. It's going to be a hub. <laughs> this year it's going to be a hub. <laughs> It's and, a little joke there for the comedians. <laughs> and they put me in much too big a room and you should please tell your friends. Yeah. And I'm also doing the same show um, at the New Zealand Comedy Festival oh, in Auckland and Wellington and uh, in the Sydney Comedy Festival and at the Edinburgh Fringe. <gasps> Amazing. Amazing. In Underbelly. Genuinely though, Underbelly people, is a great this, is not a jo- you, this is not a drill. Um, you should book tickets to Grace's show because like – See see them now, is, if you know what I mean. Is this your first um, New Zealand? Yeah. Yeah, that's a great festival. I am excited. I, I My family's from New Zealand, so I, I have a lot of cousins that are like, we're coming, and I'm like, I don't know if that's good or bad. Yeah, I, um, <laughs> I, I'm doing Sydney Comedy Festival this year, and I'm pretty sure that, like only people so far who have booked to come and see it are my boyfriend's parents and my cousin. Fun story about um, my comedy group's first ever, uh, Auntie Donna's first ever um, Sydney Comedy Festival My comedy show. group, like people don't know what it is. <laughs> Look, people listening to Leguizamo Rama. <laughs> <laughs> Never heard of him. Oh, apparently he's I'm a big mish head. Apparently he's <laughs> I'm a big mish head. There's a couple of mish heads. There are. There's a couple. My I, boyfriend I stopped one. listening to this years ago. <laughs> and there are no mish heads. Um, I am a mish head. Yeah, there you go. I'm in it for mish. I'm in it for mish too. <laughs> Um, but they, we called our show uh, Auntie Donna's Auntie Donna's self-titled Sydney debut, and our blurb was: "The name of the show is Auntie Donna. Please don't call it the full words Auntie Donna self-titled Sydney debut. That would just be silly." And then they called the show Auntie Donna, and they were like, "What's your blurb?" And we're like, "Oh no, <laughs> that's." Oh, you thought they thought you were giving instructions. <laughs> That's so that was funny. The joke and then, and then God, that was fucking oh, wild. Oh, Well, when you did your first show, it was the Cool Runnings blurb. Yeah, we did yeah. that. Yeah. Anyway, um, then a lot of we, people came thinking we would be a middle-aged female cabaret you know artist. Turns out blurbs have a reason. <laughs> There's a purpose. There's a purpose. They're so you know, hard. Do you know what? But there is a purpose. What sucks more than anything? What is that? If only we had the money to buy. Colby Calais song. We could play that at the end of this pod, Tom. Oh, that would be so great. At the end of each pod, we ask Tom, who edits our podcast, to chuck in a little song or a little tune. Um, but we, for a long time, they kept putting music that we weren't legally allowed to play. Um, so Maybe you could now? get like a teenage girl's cover of it. <gasps> yeah. Someone on YouTube is singing it to 200 yeah. views and they would like your support. Yeah. Can you please chuck that on the end of this song? pod? Yeah, if you can. Yeah, and if, if you, can. you can't do that, if like, if, if your copyright alarm bells are ringing, Tom, instead of that, can you do like a mumbly fake version of um, Chasing Cars by, um, you remember that song? Yeah. That or at the very least, no, this is fun. Can you just do like... 10 seconds of you playing a song that sounds like a Colby Calais Chasing Cars era song. Yeah, because Chasing Cars, of course, is a Catherine Heigl reference because that's what played when Denny died Yeah, at the end of 
How to Save a Life as well was one of them. But when Danny died, it was, yes. if I lay here. Yeah, yeah that's true. Um, <laughs> it's, a, it's a great it's a thing. Reference. Don't worry about it's it. Uh... <laughs> also, for any of my fellow Sherry Shepherd heads, I insist that you go and watch um, Trial and Error. It's one of my favorite sitcoms ever and it got yeah. cancelled after two seasons. All my favourite shows got cancelled after two seasons. Uh, I don't know what that is about me. Uh, Pushing Daisies, uh, Trial and Error, um, Party Down, uh, yeah. Bunheads didn't even get a full season. Yeah. Um, two of those have Christian Chenoweth within them, which is funny because when they cast her in things, they love to just be like, I mean, it's not relevant to the plot, but we've got Christian Chenoweth, so have her sing something. Um, which of course, every can't time. Help, but trial and error, trial and error. Sherry Shepard is so fucking funny in that show, yeah. and it got right. cancelled. But you got to go. The watch best it. thing that's ever happened on this podcast is that you so desperately needed our listeners to know that that as we were saying goodbye, <laughs> we were just so like, sorry. Just very quickly, about Sherry Shepard. Oh, and actually, very very not quickly, even my very own quickly, luck. Very <laughs> very quickly. If you haven't seen Chef starring my favorite actor John Luke Wazabo, you should yeah. check it out. Hundred percent. And um, from just very quickly. Sorry, just very quickly. Um, <laughs> Muppets Treasure Island, which is my favorite movie. Tim Curry. Um, well, if we're I doing that, him. then Mulholland Drive. Okay, cool. <laughs> hey, if we're gonna fucking do that. Dirty Dancing. <laughs> the Fifth Element. Yeah, great. All right. Anyway. Um, <laughs> Movie we... Rex. Anyway. <laughs> Thank you, Grace. Thank you, listeners. We'll see you next time and bye-bye. Bye. Stop me on the corner. Swear you hit me like a vision. I, I, I wasn't expecting. But who am I to tell fate where it's supposed to go with it? Don't you blink, you might miss it. So we got a ride to just love it or leave it. You find it and keep it. Hey, it's Paige DeSorbo from Giggly Squad. High quality fashion without the price tag. Say hello to Quince. I'm snagging high end essentials like cozy cashmere sweaters, sleek leather jackets, fine jewelry, and so much more. With Quince being 50 to 80% less than similar brands. And they partner with factories that prioritize safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing. I love that. Luxury quality within reach. Go to quince.com slash style to get free shipping and 365-day returns on your next order. Quince.com slash style.